Warning, this podcast may contain graphic and triggering content. Please listen at your own risk. Each individual struggle is different and everyone's recovery and healing journey is different. Please reach out to a certified medical professional if you need help. Welcome to episode four of Stomp the Stigma, the podcast aimed to fight the stigma surrounding mental health through education, awareness, experiences, stories, resources, and the vulnerable truth. Today, my guest is Krista Wilson. I've known her since she was about five years old. She's been battling with depression and anxiety since she was 10, and I had no idea until a few years ago when she posted her story for the first time, and she is the one that inspired me to share my own story in the first place. She is a former university and collegiate-level hockey player, and she is now a personal trainer right here in Calgary. She is here to share her story today on her journey through anxiety, and depression. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Four years ago, was it four years ago? You posted um, a video on Facebook sharing your story, which was the first time that I had really seen anybody that I know share it. And that kind of pushed me to share my own story. And I know that I felt so compelled to reach out to you um I remember watching it and I was like oh my god she feels like I know what she's talking about and I'm not completely alone and this is so crazy so thank you for sharing that in the first place because that no worries it was was like so crazy because like it happened like very sporadically um I had like just broken my arm so, like, I was out for a bit of the season, and then, yeah, this, like, mental health thing was being, and they were, like, I had, like, just shared my story with my team. Mm-hmm. And so then it became, like, knowledge. Like, I had kept it very, like, close, and, like, only, like, my roommate knew, and, like, my coaches knew. And then I was, like, I reached the point where, like, I had to tell them, and, like, I needed more support. And then that, like, assistant athletic director heard and called me and was, like, would you talk? And I was, like, No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like god no because Anastasia was speaking and I was like you don't need me I'm like you got her Mm -hmm. and then yeah I ended up speaking and it ended up leading to like a lot of really crazy things and relationships and connections that's so awesome Mm -hmm. so what what kind of pushed you to share it finally um I think it was a mix between the support kind of group I had with my hockey team like my coach was very supportive and like so understanding of everything that was going on and then like some of my teammates that I had confided in were like no like you should do it and then I think my parents and I felt so bad for my parents just because like there was so much stigma around it that like we weren't sharing like what was going on and I felt like Mm -hmm. they had no resources to reach out to like yes yeah like it wasn't just me it was also like my sister like Ashley had no one to reach out to and like because it, it's a lot for a family member to process and take on and deal with even though they're not feeling what we're feeling like there's nights my mom slept on like my floor in my bedroom and like that's hard for a parent wow mm-hmm. yeah I totally get that with the resources like I 
didn't even share it with my family for so long. Yeah. And then, like, finally, I was kind of, like, forced to share it with my family. And I feel like they just, like, had no idea what to do. And even now, it's, like, something that we don't really talk about with each other. Like, they know Mm -hmm. that it's there, but we don't really talk about it at all. Mm -hmm. But that's so nice that your family was so supportive of you. I... Words cannot put into, like, what my mom did for me. I, if I, like, I just, I just, like, I stop sometimes and I think about it. And I'm just like, if I was a parent, I could not do what she did. Like, she was amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, flew out to me, like, at the drop of a hat. Spent, like, nights, like, yeah, like, on literally my bedroom floor. Because I couldn't, like... I just was so irrational Mm -hmm. and like hospitals and like, I don't think there's, I don't even want to know what it must be like to walk in on your child on the verge of like an overdose, Mm -hmm. which is what she had to do a few times, which like, I just, there's things like, and like we, I don't have kids. So like, I don't know, but like, I just think I could never, I could never do what she did and be as strong as she was. That's amazing. Like she never, she never broke which is crazy. Wow. I can't even imagine. No. Okay. I can't. Yeah. She's amazing. (laughs) So take me back through kind of your whole story. Um, You had mentioned that all of this kind of started when you were really young. Mm -hmm. Do you remember a starting point or when you first kind of realized like that you were struggling with depression or anxiety or anything like that? Yeah, I remember being in grade five. So yeah, I was like 10. And I just, I remember like I was anxious about school. It was like, I constantly felt like no one really wanted me there. And like, Mm -hmm. everything I did was wrong. And I didn't really have any friends, even though I did. And like, I was just this huge failure as a kid. And I just, I had this feeling that like, I just, I didn't belong. I just, I wasn't meant to be here. Yeah, I get that. And it continued and continued and yeah I, so I did my first suicide attempt at 10 wow. um, that was kind of carried on and then yeah so that kind of moves into that and then I don't think I don't think anyone in my family knew I didn't tell anyone until yeah it was like college that everyone found out and like Cause that was the other thing is like, I went to doctors and like, I went to like psychologists and everyone just said like, Oh, like it's teenage mood swings. It's yeah. growing. Like she's, it's, you know, I was like misdiagnosed like 30 times and like everyone's so reluctant to put kids on medication, which like, I understand that and I get that. But like, mm-hmm. I think just also being an old, like the lack of really good resources. Yeah. Because so then, yeah, I went to UBC and like, everything just came like hit a wall and I spiraled so quickly I don't even remember good chunks of my time there I was just so disattached from like reality Mm -hmm. and then I did a few attempts and then at one point I did one and we ended up going out drinking as a team and like bad combination Mm -hmm. 
and eventually it came out that like what was going on was happening and people had been worried because they had seen like I had been slitting my wrists and like that's hard stuff to kind of hide when you're on a hockey team and like you're changing in front of everyone like very openly but Mm -hmm. I got into like the world's greatest doctor there and she diagnosed me so fast she got me on medication right away I had to go see her every single day and like I would walk into the office and she'd be like you're not doing well we're taking you off those because like it's such a trial of like what how you're gonna react yeah and she was amazing to me um yeah and like my mom flew out like the next morning and stayed in Vancouver for like a week Wow. and like stayed on campus for me and like just tried to pick up the pieces and then like finals were in like two weeks and I hadn't touched any of my homework because I didn't think I was going to be here and it was like okay like what do we do yeah yeah and so then my doctor got me in touch with like people at the academic office and like I mean I'm like a tutor and so like we just basically were like we just need to get through this year and like get home and then I'm trying to think from there so yeah I would have been 19 I went back to UBC and things had changed since I came out it was almost like I wasn't trusted by the coaching staff yeah Mm-hmm. and so I wasn't playing I just like I wasn't even practicing like I would basically sit there on the bench during practices and I remember calling my mom and I was like I can't do this like I, I'm not enjoying this and so then I got I went down to Wisconsin to Ashley's school um Ashley's already gone though and like we told the coach like I haven't been practicing I haven't been playing for like six months yeah And he was like, nope, she's going to play. Because I was like, if I'm not going to play, like, I'd rather just go home, find ice, train, and come back next year. Yeah. And he said no. So I left at Christmas, went down there. And, like, two weeks in, he, like, pulled me aside on the bus and was like, yeah, you're not good enough. And so that was, like, a huge issue. I remember bawling. And, like, I came into a team halfway through the year, which was hard. And... I took all my pills, which, like, I had six months' worth. Wow. Um, I didn't go to practice or class, and one of the girls was good friends with Ashley still, so, and my parents hadn't heard from me, so Ashley got in touch with the girl, and she came to my room with the trainer, and they took me to the hospital. And it's so crazy. Down there in the States, they handle, like, a suicide attempt, like, terrifyingly. I remember I was so out of it. I couldn't walk. My legs were like drained of blood. I remember being in the hospital and the police came in and told me to get up. And like, I'm like as high as a kite. I'm so like out of it. Like, like when you're in that kind of a state, like you're not even like attached to reality. Yeah. Like you're so irrational. And they basically just, they turned me around, they handcuffed me, oh. and my mom had called one of the girl's parents who lived in, like, the city that the college was in to come to the hospital so that the other two could go home, and I just remember looking at them, and, like, I was, 
I was terrified. Like they said nothing to me. They just basically handcuffed me. They drugged me out of that hospital, threw me in the back of a car, drove me out to some hospital. They wouldn't talk to me. They wouldn't answer any of my questions. And then I got there and they were like, I was in a hospital, but they're like, you have one phone call. So I called married, obviously. Mm-hmm. And this was at like 10, 11 at night. And my mom was on the next flight to Wisconsin. And I was like, I have no idea where I am. I have no idea what's happening, but I'm like, you need to come find me. Oh my gosh. So good old Mary got on a plane and she found me. That is amazing. And yeah, I was like, I was put in a room and I slept for a bit and then I got up and I vaguely remember like being in a, like a group. It's so weird like to think back on it. Like I just, I remember sitting in a group and I think it was a therapy session. I don't really know. And like the person next to me had like done something like really bad. And I was like, I don't want to be here. And like, you couldn't eat your food with a knife. Like I was like, what am I doing here? Wow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my mom got me, we went home and we began the search for doctors, which luckily I had through my mom's work. Cause she works through the school. They have like some resources set up. So I found a really good therapist mm-hmm. who helped me through like getting through UBC and like learning just like different things in that sense. But in terms of like a medical doctor, it's, ridiculous how hard it is to find one yeah or to get into one like I still to this day cannot believe like it breaks my heart and like people wonder why like suicide rates are high it's like well because you can't access the resources yeah yeah like it's so frustrating and so yeah I kind of got a bit better when I came home because I was living at home Obviously, my mom was, like, watching me. Ashley was living in Calgary at the time, which was nice, so I had her close by. And then I got an offer to play at Olds College, and the coach there, like, we were completely open with her. We're like, I'm not, like, stable. Mm -hmm. Just so you know, like, like, I have these doctors, like, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, but, like, I'm, like, this is my history, just so you know. And she was... She had gone through something similar, which was nice for me because she understood what I was going through. So, like, at some games when I had really bad anxiety, like, I didn't have to do the team warm-up. I could just do my own warm-up. And, like, because just being around that many people is a lot. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're not feeling good and, like, you can't be super hypey and, like, peppy and people expect you to be. It's, like, I can't. Yeah. Like, I just I physically can't. Like, it's a miracle I got here, guys. <laughs> Yeah, the fact that I left my house today or, like, got out of bed, this is big. Seriously? Yeah. And, yeah, so, like, and, like, no one knew, but, like, she would just kind of, like, protect me in that sense, which was really nice. And then things, I just, yeah, I mean, like, because I couldn't find a good, like, psychiatrist, I just never really got, like, leveled out, kind of. And I think Mm -hmm. being so young, too, like, being 20, 21, like, you're still developing so much. Yeah. I was still having like these major pitfalls and I ended up the summer I turned 21, I did another attempt and I got hospitalized to Pinoka. But when they did it, 
they didn't tell me. <laughs> they told us that we, I was going for an evaluation. <laughs> Surprise, when I got there, I was actually being admitted for a week. Oh, wow. And so basically doctors can sign off your rights. Mm-hmm. Um, like you have no choice in the matter if two doctors or one doctor, I don't even know how many it is, sign it. Like you're, you're there. And so, yeah, I spent my 21st birthday in the Pinoca Mental Hospital. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Which is, like, funny to think about now. It's, like, sick. Like, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so I got – I was so – I was such a weird little hooligan. I didn't have a good doctor. I had a good medical doctor. I didn't have a good, like, therapist doctor, though. Mm-hmm. And the day I got, like, what's it called, like, permission to, like, leave the ward and go to group therapy, I was, like, walking down the hall, and I just, like, looked, and I was, like, there's a door there. And I just left. Oh, wow. I walked out of the hospital, and I was gone for, like, six hours. <laughs> I start, I just started walking, and I was, like, I my plan was to jump in front of a car or do something. I don't really fully remember what my plan was, but they don't come looking for you. What? They do not come and look for you. Cause I was walking down the highway. Yeah. And I passed police car after police car and no one stopped. Oh my gosh. So eventually I, um, we laugh about this now. I got hungry. (laughs) And so I found, like, a gas plant, and I was, like, bawling, and I knocked on their door, and I was like, can I use your phone, please? And I called my mom, and sure enough, they were driving up to Pinoca because it was, like, I guess the hospital called them and were like, Krista hasn't checked in in, like, two hours. Mm -hmm. And then I guess my parents called my sister, and it was just kind of, like, the three of them were just kind of like, yeah, that sounds about right. Like, (laughs) yeah. that sounds like Krista. She would just leave. So yeah, so my parents came and got me and I went back and I think I stayed there for two weeks. Yeah. Do you think that helped you at all? Being there? No. No. (laughs) Not at all. It was basically like, you just kind of go into this mind frame of like, I'm going to fake it just to get out of here. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I'll play along so I can get out of here. And like my parents were already like on the search for like, doctors and olds doctors in calgary like should we be flying me to toronto or like my parents were like searching for just anything yeah and and like that's the other frustrating thing is so then like fast forward a year i was hospitalized again but this time i was hospitalized in calgary at peter lougheed and i had an incredible incredible doctor he changed my meds. I felt better, like, right away. But then I only stayed there for, I think, three days because mm-hmm. it's just a short term. You can't see the doctor again. They do not see outside patients. They only see inpatient. Oh, wow. So you go there and you get checked in and they assess you and they do all this stuff. And then they, uh, like, whatever, dismiss or not, what's the word, discharge you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, what do you want me to do? Like, I have no doctor, no, like, they leave you with nothing. Wow. Like, they literally just slap a Band-Aid on you. Like, they don't give you any contacts or resources or anything. Wow. I think they gave us, like, Alberta Mental Health, but then they just tell you, like, oh, like, 
they just give you kind of like that runaround. Like, yeah, it's like, we'll submit your referral. And it's like, we've submitted like 18 referrals because it's not just getting into a doctor. It's getting into a doctor. That's a match to you. Yes, exactly. And that like wants the same thing as you. And like, cause I went to like one doctor and he like was like, we're going to get you off meds. And I was like, no, you're not like, Mm -hmm. I need, I think I'm always going to need meds at some point in my life. Yeah. So like, then I just like, and like my mom didn't feel comfortable with that course of treatment. So then it's like, well, we're not going back. And then I had like another doctor who put me on meds and she was like, she never checked in on me. Wow. And she changed my meds and I went through the worst withdrawal ever. Oh my gosh. Like it was two months of like, I didn't sleep. I didn't eat. Like, I don't even remember it, but like my mom and my roommate said it was like the worst thing they've ever seen. Wow. Like your next podcast should be with Mary. <laughs> <laughs> she could really fill in so many blanks. Cause there's so many things that I'm just like, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Cause I was just like, so not present. Yeah. Which no, is crazy. Weird. Yeah, it's so crazy. And so, yeah, I got kind of around the age of, like, 22, 23. I started to get, like, a bit more stable. And I think that just comes with a bit more of, like, I was going to therapy more. Yeah. Like, your brain's maturing. You've gone through some things. i kind of gone past this thing of, like, I'm not meant to be here. I might have a future. Mm-hmm. Like, for such a long time in my life, like, I just, I could never see anything past the age of, like, 22. Like, I, it was always just, like, black. And, like, I was slowly starting to be, like, okay, like, maybe I'll travel. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. And so stuff like that. And then we noticed that I was starting to, like, just get more dips. Mm-hmm. More dips. Like, the I was having more bad days than good days. And yeah, my dad research and he found this lady in Calgary who does art therapy so I did this last summer and it's like eye movements and like memories and she kind of gets to like the root of your issue and it was like life-changing really I bawled after we were done I bawled during actually (laughs) because you like yeah, you, like, take this, like, you take a memory, like, where you think, like, trauma happened. Yeah. So I took, like, a childhood trauma, and you, like, relive it, and then you, like, kind of paint over it. Mm-hmm. And then there's a part where she made me, I was, like, at a bridge. And it was so crazy, because, like, it's so vivid when you do it. And it's, like, there was all these, like, little me's, like, at different ages in my life. And, like, some were, like, burned, some were in ragged clothes, some were sick. And I had to, like, in my mind, I had to carry each of them across the bridge and, like, tell them that they were fine. Wow. And it was just so sad. <laughs> it was, like, the saddest thing I ever had to think about. Like, carrying this, like, little six-year-old burnt me, and I was like, you're okay. But it, like, I got in the car after it was done, and, like, I just bawled to my mom, and I was like... I feel like a weight has been lifted off my chest. Wow. Like, I've just worked through something amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, we didn't we didn't solve anything, but, like, 
to address that childhood trauma was amazing. And like, it was, yeah, I couldn't believe how incredible that it was. And so, yeah, like fast forward, well, it's only last summer. <laughs> so that's for like four months. <laughs> um, we're still, I'm still, I'm still not healed. Like mm-hmm. it's so, it, like it sucks to say, and I wish I could be this like amazing story that like, look what I overcame, but yeah. I, like, I have overcome some, but I have had a recent suicide attempt. My mom had to come and live with me for a month and a half. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, it's scary. Cause it's like, I'm 25. Yeah. At what point am I going to be okay? Yeah. And I think that's the frustrating thing is it's like, you get so tired of feeling not okay and wondering when the day's going to come that you feel okay. Yeah. That you just get too tired to try. Yeah, I completely agree. Like there's points, obviously, you know, you've come a long way and you're doing better than say you (laughs) were, but are you if you want to call it recovered. Exactly. Like, I feel the same way. But there is a part of me that thinks there's no, in quotations, cure. Mm -hmm. It's just something that you learn to deal with and you learn to handle it. And as you get older, that, like, your coping mechanisms and your your methods of handling the bad days, like, Mm -hmm. gets better and, like, you learn how to deal with it. So it's still always there, but it's a lot better than it was. Mm -hmm. And I think that was, like, a hard thing when I was younger to kind of grasp was, like you said, like, to me, I thought, like, why am I doing therapy? Why am I taking pills if I'm not going to one day be better? Yeah. But I think that's exactly it is, like, your good days are going to outweigh your bad days, and your bad days won't be as bad as the ones that you're experiencing right now. Exactly. Once you get to like a more stable point, Mm -hmm. you'll have less bad days and the bad days that you do have won't be as bad and you you know how to handle and cope with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard thing to like wrap your head around though. And like, it's like for anyone like dealing with any sort of like this, like you're so irrational in your head Mm -hmm. and it's just, you just feel for people. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not fun. Oh, not at all. Like, I wish, like, I was even saying to my mom, like, this Monday, I woke up and, like, I could have cried literally over spilled milk. I did not want to go to bed. Oh, yeah. Some Everything just, just seemed overwhelming. And I was just thinking, like, I was sitting at work and I was like, I wonder what it's like for people who, like, just wake up and are like, like, they smile and, like, <laughs> I was like, I would love to be that one day. Yes, I agree. Like, where the fact that I changed out of my pajamas isn't the biggest accomplishment of my day. Mm -hmm. There's some days. Sometimes it is. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's some days when you could just cry for no reason. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I am so sad and I don't know why, but this is happening to me. And I wish that I could feel what it's like to be a normal person. Yes. That just wakes up and they're fine mm-hmm. you know they just like go about their day I'm like I don't know what that's like that's so crazy 
Mm-hmm. And like when you start, I find when you start thinking like that, you feel like you're then like weak or you're, but it's just everyone's capacity to handle things is different. Mm-hmm. And I've, after my last attempt a few months ago, um, I opened up to like some, like people know my story around here, but like, it's not yeah. something like you could just have a conversation. Like I, I wouldn't go over to the place and be like, oh, like I'm having a really bad day. Yeah. But after that, I actually did open up to a few of my friends and one in particular, like she goes through similar things. She doesn't quite reach the same points that I reach, like where you're like the level of darkness. But like mm-hmm. when I say like, like the conversation I'm having with you, like she understands. Yeah. And it's never like this whole like, well, like, well, if you just tried this, it's like, no, like she literally will say to me, like I go to her and I'm like. I'm not feeling good. Like everything's overwhelming. She's like, that sucks. And she's like, and that's like, that's what you just, it's so nice to just hear that. Yes. It's like, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Thank you. That's one reaction that I cannot stand is when people are like, oh, why don't you try this or try that? I'm like, no, you do not understand what it's like and what I'm feeling right now. Like, I just feel like crap and you don't get it. My favorite is when people are like, you should exercise more. I'm like, my job is a personal trainer. <laughs> like, bitch, I exercise all the time. <laughs> I literally exercise like every day. Yeah. I'm like, I can't physically exercise more. Or people would tell me that when I was like a student athlete. I was like. Seriously? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll just go for an extra walk. Yeah. I'm like, do you think? That's on, like people. everybody's response or their their way to fix it is exercise. Always exercise. And it's like, you don't think I've been doing this long enough that I'm fully aware that I need good sleep. Mm-hmm. I need to eat properly. I need to exercise or like get outside. Vitamin D is important. Yeah. I'm like meditation journals. Like I've also gone through like every therapy in the world, CBD, DBT, like... Mm-hmm. hit me with it I've done it <laughs> I'm trying but sometimes the root of it is just it's just you yeah like I don't think that there's like a coping mechanism out there that will fix me I think I was born with something in my brain or something in my body that doesn't produce enough serotonin or enough and that's just my that's just me Mm-hmm. no amount of exercise no amount of eating right is gonna fix it it will help it yeah but just as someone who has you know like takes insulin this is my diabetes like wow I like that mm-hmm. unfortunately like this is just what I've come to accept and it's like <laughs> yeah we're just gonna have to get through it I guess <laughs> yeah. I totally agree with that. I feel the same way. But at the same time, I also feel like there's a little bit of, like you were talking about your childhood trauma mm-hmm. and things that happen when you're growing up that contributed to mm-hmm. um, the issues. But I definitely agree that it it was it's a part of who you are and it will always be there. Somewhere. Oh, for sure. And like with the childhood trauma, like when we – like me and the doctor started to look back at like 
kind of more attempts. Mm-hmm. It was freaky. So like something was said to me as a child. I was told that basically I was a, I was a bad person by someone who like was very important to me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really realize like what that meant. And then in university, I was told he more or less said I was a bad person by my coach, which it's still to my day. Like I think about that conversation. He, he asked if I just had a bad personality. Wow. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> and then it was kind of like the same at the next, whatever. Like, so all these things were, it all kind of related back to like the same wording as my childhood trauma. Yeah. And those were kind of my triggers. And it was just so crazy. And like, even today, like it's always around the time when I feel like I'm not being good enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough for anyone. I'm not, no one wants to be near me. No one wants. And then like you start building on those other things. Like yeah. you're a burden to everyone. Like, Absolutely. and then it spirals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you, so I kind of had similar experiences with um, coaches and sports growing up. Do you think that your coaches and trainers and teammates made your mental health worse? Like before, I guess, coming out to them when you were a kid? Or when you were younger? Say that again. (laughs) Before you kind of came out to your coaches and teammates and trainers and whoever, Mm -hmm. do you think they contributed to making your mental health uh, worse before they knew? I think some did and some didn't. Yeah. Um, I had some coaches who were really genuine nice human beings and we're coaching for the sake of coaching and wanting kids to be better and they didn't add any stress to me they didn't take anything away Mm -hmm. but then you have some coaches that I don't really know what their purpose in coaching is besides creating a toxic environment yeah yeah and so those coaches I would say they definitely didn't help but like I think back to like when I was like in high school and like none of my coaches, all my coaches were great. Like they weren't perfect or anything, but they never, I never did anything because of them or anything that they did. Right. Yeah. And hockey was always in a release for me. It was where I didn't have to think I didn't have to be me. I could just be this person who skated. Yeah. You could just play and not think about anything else. Life was so good on the ice. Yeah. Do you still play now? No, I switched to coaching. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but I took this year off because COVID. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah, I had coached the past two years. Nice. Do you miss it? I do. I was talking to my one friend from college, and I was like, she's still playing. And I was like, oh, I would give anything to be in like one of those like close game and like ten minutes left, like. It, everything was just so easy out there, like passes, <laughs> skating. Like it was just, it's just so freeing. Hockey's yeah. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess since sharing your story and like coming out, has your relationship with your family changed quite a bit? Or did they kind of already know before um, then? Well, my mom knew like everything. Mm-hmm. Ashley knew, my sister knew most of the story, but my dad didn't know much. Yeah. 
And so our relationship has changed the most in terms of that. But I think it's been more of my extended family. Mm -hmm. I'm suddenly not that, you know, cousin or niece or nephew or granddaughter who has freakouts and, you know, is always anxious and everything has to be a certain way. I'm the niece, nephew, cousin, whatever. I guess I'm not a few who's (laughs) battling something. Right. Like before I was always just the kind of crazy, angry Wilson. And now I'm, I'm just Krista. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think it's helped my outside family understand me better. Mm -hmm. And then my dad understanding a bit more of like what goes on with me. Yeah. Wow. That's such a huge weight, like lifted off of you to have everybody Mm -hmm. know. It's hard when you hear like people say things about you and it's like, I feel like I can't change that. Yeah. And so now it's like, I don't have to change it. Like I have, to, I, there's things I, I'm better at, like not freaking out, controlling my emotions, so on and so forth. But it's, it sucks to be called those things <laughs> or to be like labeled as like the troubled. Oh, absolutely. Like those things hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't enjoy that. Yeah. Or like, I remember like one cousin asked if I was bipolar and I was like, I went to my room crying. It just, like, broke me that, like, that's what my family thought of me. Yeah. To be labeled as something else that Mm -hmm. you're not, it just, I don't know, there's something about it that hurts more, I think. Well, I think I was trying. Like, as a kid, I was trying to be the best I could be. Mm -hmm. But I just, I couldn't handle or control certain things that was going on in me. And so when you're trying to be the best and it's, like, you suck. Like, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're in a much better place now. Thank you. <laughs> we are too. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Um, I won't keep you too long, but looking back at your journey, um, is there anything that you would have done differently to address your mental health issues? We, we, me and my mom actually talk about this quite a bit and Mm -hmm. we don't really think there could have been anything we could have done differently just given where mental health was at the time. Right. And given age, like we went to doctors, we went to people like, I don't think there's anything we would have changed. And we always sit like, we just keep saying like, everything happened the way it was meant to be because it led me to UBC and it led me to that first doctor who actually diagnosed me. Yeah. And so, yeah, like we talk about all the time and like, we always say like, Oh, you know, like, can you imagine if like I had been diagnosed at this time and I went and did this, like, Oh, I would have, you know, whatever. And it's like, yeah, but we, we tried. And by we, I mean my mom. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to do anything. I was stuck in this, I don't belong here world. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, things like this and like getting things out and like, obviously everyone's situation is different and every case is different. But I think if mental health was talked about more in the past, like maybe somebody would have recognized it sooner. That's a really good point. I think 
mental health and like even talking about mental health has just started happening in the last few years. So before that, even like, yeah, when I started um, struggling, uh, since I, I've been struggling since I was like nine. So the resources and the stigma around it was so big back then. Like you mm-hmm. didn't know what to do like that. That's no, funny. and like no one, no one would talk about it. And I remember like I wrote a paper once and I think it was in grade eight and it was flagged by the school as like a warning. And I went to like one therapy session, but like, I was such a good manipulator. Oh, I was so good. That I just, they just wrote it off as like a, I don't even know what, um, teenage drama. Yeah. Well, you learn to kind of hide everything and like (laughs) automatically lie almost to just keep it a secret and make sure that nobody knows, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I became a very good manipulator. <laughs> Such a bad. Job. I mean, it has its advantages sometimes, but you know. Ugh, bad times. <laughs> um. Okay. One last question for you. Yeah. If you were to give your younger self some advice on how to handle it or what to do, <laughs> what would it be? Or get, if you were to give yourself some advice on what to expect from your journey or anything like that? I would think, I think, I think I would tell my younger self to tell my mom how I felt. Yeah. And how I really felt or tell actually like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think tell them that I'm trying to be the best and it hurts when these things are being said. And like, I feel like you guys don't get this stuff and, I think, and then I think telling myself what to expect, expect some hard times, (laughs) (laughs) but, and I think that's the other thing. I think that's the one thing is actually it's to open up to your, whatever you call it, crew, squad, your hurdle sooner. Yeah. Cause the select few people that like I share everything mostly with, I wish they've been part of my life sooner yeah like I have some of the sweetest kindest people in my corner I totally agree with that yeah because we yeah like I never would have made the connections and have them and grown the friendship I had if I hadn't told them that I'm not okay yeah and it's hard to do because I remember telling like one friend and like she honestly didn't know what to say we just we were on a walk and I told her and she just kind of looked at me and then we just kept walking. And then it was like a few hours later, she called me and she was like, I'm sorry. She's like, I just, it took me some time to process. Mm-hmm. And she's like, do you want to like come over now and we can chat or something? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, and I always tell people, I'm like, this is a lot to put on you. I'm like, you don't need to take it on. Yeah. Like, this is also like your comfort level. And like, I respect if some of my friends and I have had some friends who are like, I can't handle this. Yeah. And that's fine. It's like our friendship doesn't need to be defined by this. We can have a different friendship. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You don't need to be the person I call at 2 a.m. That's that's fine because your well-being is just as important as mine. And but I find, you're never going to know those boundaries if you don't talk about it. Yes. I find um, that when you tell some people, all they want to do is like fix you. 
But what people don't understand is like, it's not something that you can just fix and make go away overnight. It's just you need these people to just be there for you and listen Mm -hmm. to you and support you um, through the bad days because it's not just going to go away overnight. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. And and I think, yeah, it's a big thing. It's like making that trust with them and letting them know that. And I had some friends like on my hockey team who were just, were so smart. (laughs) (laughs) They figured me out so good. Like, when I wouldn't leave my bed, they would just come and they would lie in my bed because they knew eventually I would get annoyed <laughs> with them being there and I would move to the living room. And, yeah, they were they were incredible. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. So blessed. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your story with me. Oh, I hope it was okay. Sorry, I was, like, kind of running around. <laughs> That's okay. And thank you for coming on. I appreciate Anytime. it so much. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on or talk about? I don't think so. No? Okay. I think that was my my journey. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you were doing so much better. Thank How you. are you doing with um, COVID and everything? Has that affected you at all? Not really, no. That's good. It's actually taken away a lot of anxiety because I don't have to go out. Mm-hmm. And I'm limited to, you know, just my close people and so yeah like I just I can just kind of you have an excuse to not see people and not do things yeah that's fair so it's been kind of nice it's actually taken away some anxiety for me nice Mm -hmm. oh that's awesome that's great to hear I'm glad you're doing well thank you well thanks so much for thinking of me that's so sweet of you oh my gosh yeah I was like who do I bring on for my very first guest and I was like this like I need I need Krista. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully I did okay. If, if not, like, tell me and we can do this again. <laughs> oh my gosh, don't even worry. I'm so glad that you agreed to it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Feel free to reach out at any time. Share your story, speak your truth, and together we can stomp the stigma.